Welcome back, and thank you for listening to Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. And this is a fan podcast. We're not affiliated with Ron Randall, and the opinions expressed are just ours. We do this podcast because we always enjoy reading and talking about Trekker and any of Ron Randall's other comics. Please consider visiting trekkercomic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site dedicated to Mercy St. Clair. It features a new page of Trekker material every Monday. The Chapeltown story is currently in progress there. I'm really enjoying it and would love it if you'd check it out and let us know what you think. While you're there, you'll also find links to all of the ways to follow Ron Randall on social media, including Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr, and Facebook. Trekkercomic.com also has a link to his Patreon page, where you can donate to help support the creation of brand new Trekker material if you want. For a small monthly donation, you get an early look at each week's new page, along with a behind-the-scenes look at the development of the page. For instance, in a recent post, Ron was sharing some comments about the great job that artist Caitlin Like does with the color flats for the series. He was specifically pointing out how the colors she chose helped underscore the emotional message of a key scene. Great stuff. As a Patreon supporter, you also get PDF copies of the various Trekker stories, and of course the satisfaction of knowing you're helping to support the new Trekker material. In this episode, we're covering the second half of The Train to Avalon Bay, which is a double-length story featured in the trade paperback of the same name. It is a great action-adventure and features some revealing character developments. The story was serialized in Dark Horse Presents in 2013, and the trade paperback was published in 2014. You can also get a digital copy from Comixology or the Dark Horse Comics app, as well as from the Amazon Kindle store. This trade paperback also includes the story City of the Dead, in which Ron Randall's Mercy St. Clair meets Carl Kiesel's Johnny Zombie, and we will be covering that story in the next episode. The show is more fun for everyone when we hear from you. It's a pleasure to share your comments, so please write in and let us know your thoughts about Trekker. Which characters do you like the most? What's your favorite cover? Any stories or thoughts you want to share will be appreciated. So stop by trekkertalk.com for links to all of our social media connections or send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com and we'll include your comments in a future episode. The Trained Avalon Bay, Part 2 The Trained Avalon Bay is a 50-page story that was published in 2013 in Dark Horse Presents, issues number 24 through 29, and in the Trained Avalon Bay trade paperback in 2014. The story is written and illustrated by Ron Randall. Colors are by Jeremy Colwell. Letters are by Ken Bruznak. The cover features an image of Mercy St. Clair inside a purple circle, both guns drawn, and she is firing her smaller pistol with a blast of laser fire. In the background, a split image illustrates the two very different worlds she patrols, including the dangerous streets of New Gellif and the harsh, arid land surrounding the city. We use this great image as our show logo. We pick up our story where we left off last time. Mercy and Molly were taking the train to beautiful Avalon Bay for a vacation. Two government agents were on the same train escorting a man in protective custody. The train was attacked. One of the agents was killed and the other agent was injured. As we continue the story, Mercy and Molly are on foot in the scorching desert with the injured agent and the man in protective custody. Mercy and Molly make their way across the desert toward a rocky area in the hopes of finding shelter. Traveling with them are the injured Agent Fowler and the witness, Tress. Mercy expects the mercenaries who are in pursuit will quickly catch up with them. She turns to Tress and demands to know what's going on and who wants him so badly. He starts to tell her about the unrest on Cetus, but Mercy is well aware of the situation. The Tala Ka and the Capians are locked in a fierce conflict. 
Tras is a special operative for the Capians. He tracked several key Talakas to Earth and infiltrated their ranks. They now want him dead before he gets the information back to the Capians. Agents Fowler and Cooper weren't given all of the information. They only knew they were supposed to get him off-world. Just then, a single shot strikes the rocks behind Mercy. She drops to the ground, pulling Tras with her. She turns to Molly to give her one of her guns, but Molly tells her they'll be more effective in her hands. Mercy glances over the rocks and sees two dozen armed men heading toward their location. Mercy jumps up and runs ahead with both guns blazing. She twists, firing one direction and then the other. She flips up into the air over the heads of her attackers, landing gracefully on a ledge behind them, firing all the time. Several bodies lay dead on the ground while the others retreat hastily into the distance. Mercy goes back to their shelter. Their hunters will be back and they'll be better prepared the next time. Mercy knows it's time to stop being hunted and to become the hunter. She tries to get Molly to take the large and powerful Volk 380 she took from one of the bodies. But again, Molly says she isn't the best choice. The injured Agent Fowler still has his own gun, so Mercy gives the Volk 380 to Tress. Mercy rushes into the desert, following the trail left by the men who retreated and soon finds where they are regrouping. Mercy rushes in with guns blazing, but is surprised at the huge amount of firepower aimed at her in return. Given this response, she realizes the attackers were being very cautious in their earlier attack. She begins to worry and knows she has to end this quickly. She flips and rolls on the ground, aiming her large weapon at an outcrop of rocks. Her shot breaks the rocks loose, and an avalanche crushes the men below. Mercy immediately begins to run back to the shelter. There's no time to waste. She's figured out what's going on. The attackers were careful with their shots earlier because they didn't want to accidentally hit Trass. They weren't out to kill Trass. He is one of them. They were trying to rescue him and she left him with Molly and gave him a Volk 380. Back at their shelter, Mercy finds Fowler laying in a pool of blood. As he dies in her arms, she already knows what he's going to say. Trass has taken Molly hostage. Using her tracking skills, Mercy is up and running like never before. Her cape is wrapped around her head to protect her from the scorching sunlight. As evening approaches, she comes upon the destroyed city of La Croix, the epicenter of the scar that was destroyed more than 80 years before. The twisting metal and concrete slow her progress. As she rounds a corner, she stops suddenly at the sight of a dead leech bear. It's been shot three times by a powerful Volk 380, but she knows that will still leave plenty of ammunition for Tress. Mercy then hears a growl behind her and turns to find herself face to face with the leech bear's much larger mate. It leaps toward her, and while she hits it with three slugs, her much smaller gun doesn't take it down. Mercy barely manages to dodge a swipe from the bear's claws that would have easily decapitated her, but she is still hit in the shoulder with several of the bear's poisoned fur quills. Mercy jumps down away from the bear and turns and begins firing again as it races toward her. As it leaps at her again, she jumps and fires her reeler, pulling herself up out of the way as she continues to fire repeatedly at the bear. It finally falls dead, and she drops to the ground. Her gun is now empty, but she knows Trass is still heavily armed. 
Already feeling the effects of the poison from the fur quills, she continues to follow the trail. On a rocky ledge far in the distance, Trass watches her through his scope. If only the powerful Volk 380 had any range, he could take her out. He turns to Molly and tells her she's played it smart. If she had given him any trouble, he would have killed her long ago, but instead he's decided to take her along. There's a rescue ship hidden nearby, and she's going to keep him company on his long flight through space. Molly sneers and tells him that he doesn't know Mercy like she knows Mercy. Trask pushes Molly forward, and as the sun starts to rise, they find the rescue ship hidden in a rocky alcove. Trask pushes her up the ladder and shoves her inside. At the top of the ladder, he turns and looks into the distance, but there is no sign of Mercy. As he steps inside the ship, a drop of blood drops past his face onto the deck below. Trask looks up to see Mercy hanging from the ductwork in the ceiling. Mercy drops onto him, knocking him down, but while he's initially surprised, he realizes Mercy seems to have no strength at all. He grabs her by the hair, pulling her head back and puts his gun up to her head, but then Molly leaps at him, grabbing the gun. Trask turns and hits Molly, knocking her to the ground. Trask picks up the gun and turns back to Mercy and tells her he's grown fond of Molly, and threes are crowd. Mercy replies, I agree, one of us has to go, and she flings dozens of poisoned fur quills from the leech bear into his face. Trask screams and stumbles backwards toward the hatch. Mercy hits the button for the emergency seal and the hatch slams closed, cutting Trask in half. Mercy rushes to Molly, saying, You're all right. Thank God you're all right. Oh, Molly. Tears begin to pour from Mercy's eyes as she stares lovingly at Molly. As the two hug, the roles seem to reverse as Mercy cries while Molly comforts and protects her. Wow, what a fantastic conclusion to an exciting story. The trained Avalon Bay is in many ways non-stop action, and yet Ron Randall still manages to fit in some revealing character development between Mercy and Molly, as readers see hints of some significant changes. The balance of the story couldn't be better with fast-paced action separated by short pauses for exposition. The art is dynamic throughout, keeping the story racing ahead at full speed. It really is a favorite story of a favorite series. I love that Mercy is competent and in command throughout the story. Even once she's out of ammunition and suffering from the effects of poison, she still finds a way to defeat Trass. And Molly is equally competent. She knows how to play along with Trass without ever giving in to him, and at a key moment she is prepared and attacks Trass herself, giving Mercy the opening she needs to end it. It's a great story for both Mercy and Molly, with hints of much more to come for both of them in the future. You've heard us praise Jeremy Colwell's colors before, and we know many of you agree that his work is outstanding. The Train to Avalon Bay provides a great showcase for his talent, and his colors really help to enhance the story. I like the fact that Jeremy has a special connection to Ron Randall and Trekker. Ron gave him his first job as a colorist, and it was for Trekker. He had been working as an inker before, but with a strong background in painting, I think Ron Randall must have known Jeremy would be great for the job. And we are happy to see that Jeremy's excellent colors have been showing up in many more books, including action-packed titles like Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and He-Man Thundercats, as well as humorous titles like Rocky and Bullwinkle and Dexter's Laboratory. Jeremy has a great website and Facebook page, and he occasionally posts videos showing examples of the coloring process. We'll put links in our show notes and encourage you to follow him. Now let's take a few minutes to talk about our favorite pages and panels. Ruth, what were your favorite pages? Okay, turn to page 38. It's a great shootout sequence. I love the way Mercy moves in action with shots blasting everywhere. 
Every panel seems to show a different point of view that makes it very visually interesting. I love the color scheme, and especially the explosive laser blast that makes the rocks fall. Yeah, I really like this page, too. I almost chose it as one of mine. Ah, nice. Now, flip over to page 42. Okay, I'm there. This shows Mercy's trek across the desert while wearing her dark purple cape as a hood to shield her from the sun. And Ron Randall readily gives his fellow studio mate, Benjamin Dewey, credit for the idea of using the cape that way. It looks great and really suits the environment. On this page, I love the sense of motion and distance traveled, along with the sheer determination on Mercy's face. The landscape is beautiful, and if you look closely, you can even see the passage of time shown in the subtle shift of color in the sky as the panels progress. By the way, if you look at the next couple of pages, you'll see the sky continue to shift onto sunset and then night. Nice touches from Jeremy Colwell. And before we move on from this page, I'll just mention that if you aren't familiar with the work of Benjamin Dewey, be sure to check out both Autumn Lands and the Tragedy series. Both are terrific. And finally, just a couple of pages over onto page 46. Okay, I'm there. Now this is one of the pages that shows Mercy's encounter with the huge leech bear. I think the lighting, shading, and colors are all great. The mood of the scene is just right as we see Mercy fire a shot while the bear is still some distance away. Then we get an awesome close-up of Mercy's face glowing from the blaze of her blaster. Then we see the terrifying leap of the bear, followed by an absolutely stunning backflip by Mercy while she shoots her reeler. Such an exciting page. Yes, I agree. I love this page. And interestingly, I think all of our favorite pages come from the same sequence, but not quite exactly the same pages. Oh, okay. Sometimes we do choose the exact same ones. Yeah. So let's start with, for me, action-packed page 34. I've got it. Such an exciting page and so many great angles and perspectives. Mercy's in the background, then in the foreground. Camera angles are at ground level, then a bird's eye view. Then looking up from the ground as Mercy flips through the air all the time firing her weapons. It's a really nice page. It's impressive. I really like it. And it's similar to one that you chose. Next up is page 44. It's going to be a leech bear scene, right? So page 44. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. you're right. At the top of the page, Mercy is confronted by the snarling leech bear. And I just love the next panel when Mercy stares back at it with an equally menacing expression on her face. And in the last panel, the leech bear leaps through the air as Mercy begins to fire her weapon. Yeah, that whole page is impressive. I agree. And as much as I love page 44, it's page 41, just a couple of pages earlier, that takes the prize from me. Ah, okay. A vista of the desert landscape, followed by scenes of Mercy running at full speed, and then a glorious close-up of her determined face framed by her cape that she has pulled over her head to shield out the sun. Wow, we chose excellent pages, and the ones we chose parallel each other. Yeah. So I think we each chose a page from a, a similar scene. Yeah, right. I think every page that we chose was from a scene that the other one chose a page yeah. from. And I'm glad <laughs> that you mentioned the cape and the way she'd pulled it up over her head and that mentioned that that was Benjamin Dewey's idea because I'd remembered that too. Very nice. So now let's look at favorite panels. Okay, my first favorite is going to be on page 44, and it's the top panel. It takes Mm -hmm. about half of the page, and it's where the leech bear prepares to pounce on Mercy. You really get a sense of how large and dangerous the bear is as it prepares to attack. And I thought the composition was great, and it really creates a scary moment for me. Yeah, really nice. I chose that whole page as one of my favorites, and it's nice. That is a great panel that you chose. Now I have to flip back quite a bit to page 30 to find my next favorite panel. 
and it's right in the center. I love the golden brown jagged rocks in the landscape, and you can see the train wreck burning way in the background. The perspective and scale of everything is perfect here. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like it. And for my top choice, I'm going with a splash page. You'll find it on page 33. Mercy fills the page. And in one pose, Ron Randall is able to illustrate her in a way that I think shows her running, shooting, dodging, and turning all together, all at once. It's like a freeze frame effect that really conveys movement and action. I'll complement the color palette here too. Gorgeous yellow sky and golden tone rocks. Yeah, it is beautiful. And for me, we'll start on page 43. Okay. This will be the panel at the top of the page, which shows Mercy running toward the destroyed city of La Croix. The panel makes me think of great post-apocalyptic sci-fi stories, and it just sets the tone perfectly for the adventure ahead. I like that observation. And then if we'll turn a couple of pages to page 46 at the bottom, this will be familiar because you chose Ah. this as a favorite page. Here, Mercy is flipping through the air to avoid the claws of the leech bear. She's firing her reeler and preparing her weapon to fire. I always like scenes with the reeler, and this one is terrific. It was almost my favorite panel. It's gorgeous. But just edging it out over on page 52, Mm -hmm. at the top we get the view of Mercy hanging from the ceiling of the ship getting ready to drop down and attack Tress. It's amazing to think of the stamina it takes her to hang there after all that she's endured. Tress's body movement is perfect, clearly illustrating his surprise. And I love the small image of Molly in the background. You can see the concern on her face as she bites her lip. Thank you for pointing that out. I had not paid much attention to that. And I have to look close and I see what you mean about her expression. Nice touch. As with the Trekker Omnibus, the trade paperback version of the Train to Avalon Bay features a sketchbook. But we'll wait and talk about that in the next episode when we get to the end of the book. It's time for Who's Who, when we get to talk about significant characters from the stories and get to know them just a little bit better. We don't look ahead because we don't want to spoil the stories for anyone reading them for the first time. That means we'll revisit characters over time as we learn more things about them. Mercy St. Clair is a bounty hunter known as a trekker. She lives in Antari Alley, which is a bad part of New Gullif. She spends most of her money on weapons for her job and food for her pet scuff, which is a dox. And that's a cross between a dog and a fox. And Molly Sundowner is a local music shopkeeper and Mercy's best friend. She takes care of Scuff when Mercy is away and is generous to a fault. And of course, here she's going on vacation with Mercy. Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share the listener feedback we've received since last time. Thanks to everyone for all of the great comments. They add so much to the show. And a big thank you to everyone who took the time to write or to get in touch through social media. We really appreciate it. Brian Mulvey wrote, I can imagine your excitement when after a 10-year drought you discovered the train to Avalon Bay. You both were very excited to talk about this story and your absolute joy for the tale was very evident. And rightly so, as Ron Randall brought Mercy back with a vengeance. Brian continues, I'm such a sucker for trains and train stories since I traveled extensively by rail as a kid and read train stories like Murder in the Calais Coach with Hercule Poirot. So many iconic pages and panels in this story, beautifully embellished by the masterful colors of Jeremy Colwell. And Brian ends with, There are so many great pages and panels it is difficult to choose a favorite, but I do love the panel at the top of page 9, with Mercy bursting through the wall. I can't imagine there were more splinters flying on Nelson's victory at Trafalgar in 1805. Mm -hmm. 
Ange of the Supergirl comic box commentary blog said, Hey guys, really love the episode. Trekker is very new to me, and most of the stories I am living through your discussions. This universe sounds engrossing with great action and great characterization. The train to Avalon Bay sounds like another winner. As you guys say, it sounds like a western set in the future environment. Is there anything more western than a train heist? Listening to you discuss it, it reminded me of a storyline in Howard Chaikin's American Flag, issues 15 through 18, set in Canada, where the Plexus Rangers are much more like cowboys. Flag is definitely a dystopia, but that arc meshed sci-fi and western exceedingly well. Dr. G, man of nerdology from the Pulp to Pixel podcast, let us know that he listened to the new episode right away and loved it. Thanks, Dr. G. Joe Crawford chronicles many of the comics he reads on his blog for the non-discerning reader, and I had a big smile on my face when I read the post. This evening's reads includes Trekker by Ron Randall, a good night's entertainment. Joe had been enjoying Trekker and was reading ahead, so he wrote a while back when he finished The Train to Avalon Bay, saying, What a great adventure. I love how Mercy is able to read her surroundings well enough to know that something isn't right. It was also nice to see Molly in the mix for an adventure. But who is taking care of Scuff? Good question, Joe. He went on to say, There are some great panels. Love the one toward the end, when Mercy is clinging to the ceiling. Also, nice world building in the story as well. Ron Randall and Jeremy Colwell put together one beautiful-looking story that was a great read. John Baker sent us a nice note. Once again, you've whipped up a stylish buffet of tasty treats for Trekker fans and those who are becoming Trekker fans. What I find interesting about this series is how the art just continues to catch my eye, whether through how color is used or how shading creates mood. And the artistry of Ron Randall is very detailed and emotive through each panel. Just a very talented and creative effort that I'm delighted to have some small part in enjoying. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, John. I like your comments about the art. There are always so many details to appreciate on the pages. And thanks for pointing out what you liked best. Angela of the Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace podcast wrote, I don't know much about Dark Horse, so I'd never heard of Trekker before. But now I've listened to a few of your episodes and I've started reading the webcomic. Angela, I'm so excited to know that you've checked out Trekker online. You may have figured out that it is a favorite of ours, and we're happy when anyone discovers it. Wendy Freeman of the Double Page Spread podcast wrote, I'm almost all the way through Trekker Talk. I've been listening on my walks to work. I've never heard of Mercy St. Clair, but I definitely want to read it. Thank you, Wendy. We really appreciate the positive encouragement. A fan who goes by the handle Las Vegas Inventor got Ron Randall's Trekker Dreamcast actress Katie Sackoff to sign a Trekker book. He posted the photo online, and we were delighted to see that she first signed it Mercy St. Clair, then added her name beneath it. We had the good fortune to see Gary Cohn at the Virginia Comic Con in Richmond recently. It was great to talk with him, and he was generous with his time. He wrote the Barren Earth comic series that was illustrated by Ron Randall. Gary also co-created Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld, and Blue Devil. Gary also wrote a terrific Western miniseries set in 1866 titled Demon Gun that we just picked up and are looking forward to reading. Gary was at the con with Blue Devil and Blue Beetle artist Paris Cullens, and it was terrific to get to spend some time with both of them. They are both really nice gentlemen. After seeing Gary, we reposted an Amoseth sketch by Ron Randall on Facebook. Chris Dingsdale was quick to comment, saying, I love Gary's work. The original Amoseth series remains absolutely unique to this day. Fabulous. We agree, Chris. Max Romero of the blog's Great Caesars Post and It's Plastic Man posted a photo of Trekker and wrote, I just finished reading this thanks to the enthusiasm of Trekker Talk. I really liked its brand of sci-fi noir. We were so happy to hear that. Sci-fi noir is a perfect description of the series. Thanks for sharing that enthusiasm with us, Max. 
and everyone should check out his blogs, which are tons of fun to read. And we want to share special thanks to Munden's Bar on Tumblr, who frequently reblogs our posts there. We really appreciate it. We want to extend our Trekker thanks to everyone who supported us on social media since last episode. These are people who liked or shared posts from us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Your support helps draw attention to the podcast and best of all helps to spread the word about the Trekker series. And please consider leaving an iTunes review. It could really help make the show easier to find in searches. And before we start, let me say if we miss a name, please let us know and we'll correct it next time. And also forgive us if we mispronounce your name. Just email us and let us know. We'd be happy to correct that next time as well. A Beardo Talks Film. Andrew Leyland of Hey Kids Comics and the Two True Freaks Network. Angela of the Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace podcast. Ange of the Supergirl Comic Box Commentary blog. Ashford of Feathers and Foes of Birds of Prey podcast. BC Fan 101. Brian Mulvey. Carolyn Wallace. Chris Dingsdale. Chris Mounts. Christopher Mills of the Atomic Pulp blog and writer for Perils on Planet X. Clinton Robison of the Coffee and Comics blog. Colin Stapleton from the Worst Comics Podcast Ever. Dan Chicade. Dave Atterbury. Diablo Frank from the Idlehead of Diablo Martian Manhunter blog. Dr. G, Man of Nerdology of the Pulp to Pixel podcast. Drew Carpenter. Ed Terry and Nick Moore of Till Productions. Eric Mannix from Out of the Fridge and Pages for All Ages. Gary Cohn, writer of Barren Earth and Demon Gun, co-creator of Amethyst and Blue Devil. Gene Hendricks from The Hammer Strikes and Anime Freaks. Gus Ceballos from the Mike Grell Facebook page. Irene Mills. Jay Jones, also known as FKA Jason of the Silver and Gold podcast. Jeff Messer of the Geek Brain podcast. Colorist Jeremy Colwell. Jerry McMullen from the Worst Comic Podcast Ever. Joe Crawford of the blog for the Non-Discerning Reader. John Baker. John Ferrante, Justice's First Dawn with Mike Peacock, Karen Williams of Between the Pages, Carl Kiesel of Helioscope Studio, Ken Solo, Kyle Benning of King Size Comics Giant Size Fun, Larry Looper Jr., also known as The Question at Vic Sage 2005 and writer for The Retroist, Las Vegas Inventor, Mark Sweeney from the I'm the Gun blog and podcast, Martin Gray of the blog Too Dangerous for a Girl, Max Romero of Great Caesar's Post and its Plastic Man, Michael Carlisle of the blog Crapbox Son of Cthulhu, Michael Lane of Comics in the Golden Age, Munden's Bar, Nathaniel Wayne of the Council of Geeks and Punch Like a Girl, Nicholas Prom of Comic Reflections, Pablo Ventura, Paul Hicks of the Waiting for Doom podcast, Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, Ron Lynn and Lisa Randall, Ruth Reese, Ryan Daly of Midnight the Podcasting Hour and Give Me Those Star Wars, Space Cowboy Sci-Fi, Tim Wallace of the Cord Industries Blue Beetle blog, Tom Rogers of Tom Rogers Comics, Tony Greenall, Two True Freaks, Wade Pena, and Wendy Freeman of the podcast Double Page Spread. It's time for the Trekker Toast Award, where we recognize someone who has gone above and beyond in supporting Trekker Talk. This person is a truly enthusiastic follower. He's a big fan of comics and is a wealth of knowledge about so many titles. He has done a great job of promoting Trekker Talk, and he consistently likes and retweets our posts to help get the word out about our show. He also sends us great feedback on occasion, and we always enjoy his comments. 
so we lift our glasses and give a thankful trekker toast to Ange. Congratulations, Ange. We sincerely appreciate all of your kind support. Ange runs the excellent blog Supergirl Comic Box Commentary, which is filled with great reviews of comics and the TV series. Ange also writes for the Legion of Superbloggers, covering many of the adventures of that legendary team. And we'll be back after we play a couple of promos for other podcasts you may enjoy. Hey there! My name's Nathaniel, and I'm here to tell you about an exciting new podcast. What are you doing? Oh, hey, Liz. I'm just recording the, the podcast promo. You're recording the promo for the Punch Like a Girl podcast? Yeah. You. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the hosts. I have more podcast experience. What? You're going to sit there and mansplain to people about a podcast focusing on graphic novels and trade collections with female protagonists? Um, oh. Yeah. Can I at least tell them how it's available on iTunes and Stitcher and at punchlikeagirlpod.wordpress.com? No. Shoot. All right, well, hang on. I'll delete this. We'll try again. That's not delete. That's the button for publish. This is the ghost of the King of Comics, Jack Kirby. When I'm not haunting Stan Lee, I'm listening to my favorite comic book podcast, Double Page Spread. Each week, Wendy Freeman talks to creators like Cullen Bunn, Mark Wade, Evan Dorkin, and more. She is one cool dame who knows a lot about comics. So when I'm at my drawn board in heaven cranking out fourth world pages, I'm listening to Double Page Spread. Available on iTunes, Libsyn, and the Stitcher Network. It's time for What's Up, when we talk about other things going on inside and outside the world of Trekker. We often look for opportunities to combine vacations with conventions, and this year we decided to combine a vacation to Portland, Oregon with Rose City Comic Con. Ron Randall and his lovely wife Lynn have been so appreciative and supportive of what we do with this podcast that they both generously carved out some of their time for us and our friends Lou and Brian Mulvey, who also attended the con. In addition to attending the convention on Saturday and Sunday, Ron invited us to Helioscope Studio for a tour on Friday before the con. Most of the writers and artists weren't in the studio that day since they were preparing for the convention, but we got to meet many of the members at the studio and most of the others at the con over the weekend. Seeing the studio was fantastic. Thank you, Ron. Rose City Comic Con was wonderful. It's hard to believe that it just started in 2012 with an attendance of about 4,000. And here, in its fifth year, it has grown to 40,000 attendees. It is comic-focused and very well organized. We got to see several great comic creators over the weekend, including Carl Kiesel, Jeff Parker, Stan Sakai, Terry Dodson, Steve Lieber, Benjamin Dewey, Terry Moore, Kurt Busick, Jeremy Caldwell, Kat Ferris... Odd Cook, and Warren Montgomery of Will Low Comics. In addition, we got to meet several friends we've made through the podcast over the last year, including great friends of the podcast, John Baker and Ruth Reese, Nicholas Prom from Comic Reflections, Eric Mannix from Out of the Fridge and Pages for All Ages, and Cullen Stapleton and Jerry McMullen from The Worst Comic Podcast Ever. At the convention, Brian Mulvey surprised his wife Lou with an original Penny Dreadful watercolor painting that he had commissioned from Ron Randall. Lou's a big fan of the series, and Brian knew that Ron was as well, so it was a perfect commission to request. The painting was wonderfully moody. 
and John Baker commissioned a watercolor for his sister, Ruth Reese, where Ruth appears as a trekker working at Mercy's side on a mission. It was spectacular, and I want to read about the adventure they had together. Coincidentally, our friend the Irredeemable Shag, a.k.a. Firestorm fan of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, was in Portland at the same time, but other obligations prevented him from being able to attend the convention. Sorry we missed seeing you there, Shag. It was a fabulous convention, and everyone was wonderful, and we wanted to be able to spend even more time with them, so we hope to go back again sometime. But that wasn't all, because to thank us for all the work we do on the podcast, amazingly, both Ron and Lynn took some time off from work after the con and gave us a personal tour of some of their favorite parts of Oregon. We spent one day at the coast where we walked along Cannon Beach down to the amazing Haystack Rock, and the next day they drove us east into the Columbia River Gorge for some spectacular views of Multnomah Falls, followed by lunch at a restaurant at the base of the falls. We couldn't believe how generous Ron and Lynn were with their time. They are both so amazingly nice. Then, unbelievably, we were back in Portland a few weeks after Rose City Comic Con for a surprise birthday party for Ron Randall. We felt so honored when his lovely wife Lynn invited us and we decided to make the trip our Christmas present to each other. Lynn is such a wonderful lady, friendly, kind, supportive, generous. It's difficult to describe how nice she is. The party was held at Old Town Pizza and Brewery. The entire second floor was set aside for the party with balloons and lots of photos of Ron. There was also a great video playing on a laptop that showed pictures with Ron and his many friends. Everyone was waiting silently as an unsuspecting Ron arrived thinking he was joining Lynn for dinner. The surprise on his face was terrific as he made his way around the room thanking everyone for coming. There were so many guests that we couldn't meet everyone. Family members, friends from his church, school friends, his studio mates from Helioscope Studio. Everyone was having a great time. We had a great conversation with Jeremy Colwell, who sadly had to leave the party early because of a looming deadline, and we had passing hellos with Carl Kiesel, Jeff Parker, Steve Lieber, and Kat Ferris. We had a wonderful conversation with a gentleman named Paul, talking about a variety of topics. At one point in the conversation, I thought to ask him how he knew Ron, and he replied, we used to work together. It turned out to be Paul Chadwick, the creator of the award-winning comic Concrete. My mouth literally dropped open, which gave him a good laugh. We also got to spend time with Ron's daughter, Lisa, who we often see with him at Baltimore Comic-Con. And we got to meet his son, Eric, for the first time, as well as getting an opportunity to meet Lynn's son. A lovely family all around. For dessert, there was a beautiful birthday cake adorned with Mercy St. Clair in icing, from the cover to Train to Avalon Bay. It was a fantastic evening, and we can't thank Lynn enough for inviting us. Sadly, we couldn't get extra time off from work to have time to visit the new friends we've made in Portland, but we hope to make it back again sometime next year and look forward to seeing everyone then. Shortly after our return home, we celebrated my birthday, and I was stunned by my gift from Darren, which was a gorgeous watercolor commission of Mercy, Molly, and Scuff by Ron Randall. They are enjoying a day outdoors, beautiful cityscape is in the background, and you can see another planet in the sky. We posted it online, and we got lots of great comments about the art, and I want to quote Gregory Levesque's description of it as reminiscent of the bucolic scene in The Seven Samurai when the warrior sat in the field contemplating nature, his ferocity and lethal talents not evident by his appearance and actions. Trekker has that same quality, beauty of mind and soul, but just below the surface, a wealth of hurt for those who deserve it. It's a treasure, and I give my thanks to Darren and Ron. Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. Remember that you can listen to the show through iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. Every review helps the show be more likely to show up in search results to help get the show noticed. 
And please consider subscribing to the show so you always know when there's a new episode. Plus, we want to announce that we've launched a network, Rad Adventures. Get it? Ruth and Darren. R-A-D. Rad. We have a Facebook page and Twitter account where you'll get updates about all of our shows. And the best part is that we have a YouTube channel for the network. On YouTube, you can go to Rad Adventures Network and find all of the episodes of Trekker Talk, Warlord Worlds, and Xenozoic Xenophiles. You will get the regular audio feed of the podcast, along with a picture of the cover of the issue we're covering in that episode. We hope you'll visit and subscribe to the channel and give us some likes on the videos. We'd love to hear from you, so if you want to contact us directly, send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr using the name Trekker Talk. And you can always visit trekkertalk.com for links to all of our social media pages. Remember, at trekkercomic.com, you'll find a new page every Monday, as well as links to all of the ways you can find Ron Randall. You'll see that he often replies to tweets and Facebook posts, as well as on his Patreon site. So post to his pages and let him and other fans know what you think of his new Trekker material. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you'll come back next month for another new episode of Trekker Talk. Trekker Talk is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. For more information, visit comicspodcast.com. We are not affiliated with Dark Horse Comics or Ron Randall. The views expressed on the show are solely ours. Music is taken from the album Royalty Free Music, Movies, and Videos from the Royalty Free Music Club. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended. Music